0: Talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Play action. Waits, steps down the
1: middle. He's got Tompkins at the goal line. Touchdown, Penn State, as Tompkins lays out for it in the north end zone. And the Nittany Lions capitalize. Trips near side. Now Sanders in motion away from us. McSorley will keep it a go up the middle. Touchdown, Penn State. The Nittany Lions cap a 75-yard drive. Now they'll shift and put Allen to the right of McSorley. Trace waits, gets the snap, he'll keep it himself, touchdown, Penn State going over the right side, and the Nittany Lions on a fourth and one, cap it, and now lead 20-7. Johnson and Hamler near side, far side, Tompkins. Near hash, back goes McSorley, quarterback drive to the five, touchdown to the left. It's McSorley. He's going to give it to Allen. To the five. To the goal line. Mark Allen. Touchdown Penn State. Wide receiver each way with the two tight ends on the near side. Holland right behind him. Fireman. Slade left side. Ricky's got it. Touchdown Penn State. Ricky Slade. Second career touchdown. And the Nittany Lions have started the third quarter on fire. Second and 10, 41 of Kent State. Play action fake. Back goes McSorley. Long and deep down the middle. Reaching out. Got it. Touchdown. Kent State. Brandon Polk. Trace McSorley's hit all the big plays today. 41 yards and another Nittany Lion touchdown. Back goes Clifford in the end zone. Pump fake. Delivers downfield. Wide open. Got it to 40. 50. 40. George to the 30. 25. 20. 15. 10. 5. Down, Daniel George his first career catch and he ends up going all the way for a touchdown Thomas to the 10, to the 5, Jonathan Thomas, touchdown! His first career touchdown run, and Jonathan Thomas, the fifth year senior, finds the end zone. What I just
2: talked to the guys about in the locker was, number one, we won. We stayed healthy, which is critical. We got a lot of guys' reps. We were able to limit a lot of our starters' reps, which is critical, obviously, as you guys know, with a short week, we don't have a day off. So we, we that was all those things are really important. I don't want them to think about that, but that's stuff that I got to manage, and we were able to do that. Areas for improvement, I don't think we were consistent. We looked like Super Bowl champs, some reps, and other reps we didn't, so we got to be better there. Got to eliminate the pre-snap penalties. On defense, we had one penalty that gave them a first down that could have been a three and out, and we had another penalty. They're a smart football team. We jumped all sides. They took a shot, turned into a touchdown. Then offensively, we had three penalties, holdings, that took 21 points. Off the board, um, you know, in our passing game for Trace. So, a lot of good stuff, but the exciting part is there's still a lot of areas for growth.
3: And that's head coach James Franklin from last Saturday at Beaver Stadium here on WKOK. There's Penn State with an easy time. Late second quarter, and the rest of the way, defeating Kent State 63 to 10. And now we head to Friday night football. And that a second ago, I was not thinking of high school football. And yeah, we got Penn State football Friday night. Penn State at Illinois, here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. After we're finished with Chickalame Jersey Shore on Friday night, we'll get to Penn State football in progress for you on Friday night. What a what a day though for uh uh Trace McSorley, the Nittany Lions putting up three hundred and forty-six yards passing. Combine that with two hundred and ninety-seven yards rushing, and a great mix of uh rushing from uh backs including Ricky Slade. And how about even uh Fifth your senior Jonathan Thomas uh, getting a 15-yard touchdown run to cap the scoring with about a minute left to go on Saturday afternoon. Now, because of the Friday night football game, in case you were wondering, the Penn State coaches show featuring James Franklin, we will have that Wednesday night at 6.05, one night earlier than normal here on WKOK. So look forward to that later this week. And, of course, as uh, Steve will be uh, doing the show live on Friday from Champaign, just hours away from Penn State and Illinois on Friday night here on WKOK. Our Monday edition of the Steve Jones Show, always brought to you by Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Make sure you have the right coverage, because when life happens, you want to make sure everything is in place and you want the people in your corner that will go to bat for you. Give 110% when it's time to file that claim. You want the people there in your corner. The people you want is Purdy Insurance. So stop by and see them on Market Street in Sunbury. Or go to PurdyInsurance.com. They will match you with the brand, the policy, and the coverage you need at the price you can afford. So we'll be with you live till 5. And we'll have our late-day news roundup. Zach Klein be at the anchor desk this afternoon. And then tonight we've got Phillies baseball here on WKOK. Phillies and Mets will start their final series of the season. And Phillies are still clinging to slim playoff hopes. Mets playing their best baseball since April. Yeah, Jake Arrieta and Zach Wheeler uh, for your starting pitchers this evening. Despite two consecutive losses, the Mets are 10-5 and five in September. They've taken 10 of the first 16 games against the Phillies this season. Meanwhile, the Phillies versus National League East opponents, they are 30-36 and 36, even after winning a weekend series against the Marlins. Now, the Phillies currently six and a half games back of the Braves in the National League East and five games back in the wildcard race. Jake Arrieta has 18 strikeouts in his last two starts, 12 and one-third innings pitched. Veteran right-hander had seven strikeouts in his last start last Tuesday against the Nationals. Arietta gave up three runs and three hits in five innings. Arietta got a no decision in that game. The Phillies coughed up a three-run lead in the ninth in a 7-6 loss. The Phillies are 2-2 two two since that last start ah. by Jake Arietta. So I we'll have it for you tonight here on WKOK, 6:30 yeah. on deck and first pitch <laughs> at 7:05.
1: So is it already raining there?
3: Yeah, it started uh, spritzing a little bit uh, actually it was uh, spritzing a little bit about I left the building about 1140 to go to the Bucknell football luncheon and it was raining there lightly not too bad uh, so far were the, were the, the
1: the only station representative at the Bucknell football luncheon or?
3: we were yes that is that is correct you are the only one yes got there today and nobody else was there from the station no nope, he was busy putting the fires out putting fires out
1: it's raining out. What fire? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I always love guys like that. Ah, I gotta, gotta put out some fires. And, like you look around and go, "Cut me a break." <laughs> <laughs> I ain't really cut me a break. Oh my goodness! All right. Okay, so let's get to the game itself. We'll start with that. We'll kind of work our way through this uh, because there's a, there's so much to talk about here. I mean. We have the Steelers doing nothing defensively.
3: No, secondary is absolutely pathetic.
1: Carson Wentz is going to be the starter for the Eagles. Okay, you got Vontae Davis going. Ah, I think I'll retire. What do you mean now? <laughs> okay. Right <laughs> at halftime, packed up, left. He packed up and left at halftime. Wow, that Vontae Davis. You said they go. You, you did what? And then, of course, we got Penn State. Uh, now, the Ohio State game—I think everybody knows by now—is a seven-thirty game in prime time, so we got that established. Penn State—the the only area that I felt they took any step sideways on Saturday happened to be the penalties. Penn State had been penalized a total of six times for 55 yards in two games. That's it. Penn State was the least penalized team in the country through the opening two weeks of the season. They had nine on Saturday. And three of them were for jumping. And two of them were on Robert Windsor. And I'm sorry, to me, that's inexcusable. He's the closest one to the ball. When the ball moves, you move. Don't try and, you know, jump on a snap count. There's no need for you to do it. You got the ball right there in front of you. Right? And that produced a first down that and then and then I mean remember it was a penalty that was called on Penn State They gave him a free play where they got a touchdown. So their only touchdown was on a free play and a penalty. And he did the right thing. I mean, Woody Barrett did the right thing. Hey, boom, I've got them to jump again. Hey, I got a free play, and boom, he flipped it down the sideline because he knew that he had a free play. So that really is the only area where I thought they went sideways. I thought overall defensively, I thought they played really well. Fifteen tackles for losses. Completely shut down any semblance of a ground game that Kent State had. They only gave up that one touchdown. That was it. The one time Penn State turned it over in the game, on the interception, which went off the hands of Miles Sanders, they only gave up three points. They Defensively played really well. They're playing quick. They're playing faster. Now, you want to see them get turnovers and takeaways themselves. The first game, they didn't have a takeaway, but they've got to get takeaways because they're good enough to get takeaways. But the pressure, Sharif Miller and all the others, I mean, they I thought they played well defensively on, on Saturday. Offensively, the offensive line has been taking over each game they've played in. They've been taking over up front. Uh, Penn State's been able to get a ground game going. They've been able to push the pile forward. They've been able to protect Trace McSorley. Uh, you know, K.J. Hamler, good again. Brandon Polk was really good. DeAndre Tompkins was outstanding. But again... What made them go sideways? A long touchdown pass to Cam Sullivan Brown. Called back. Why? Penalty. Uh, touchdown pass to Jawan Johnson. Called back. Okay. Illegal pick play. Eh, you know, for Friarmouth, this guy, one guy ran into the other. I mean, you know, Friarmouth, I mean, it's supposed to be a rub. I understand that, but they really kind of boom, collided with each other. But it still gets called, and it's also out in the open. So again, you go slightly sideways because of the penalties. But they ran the ball well. Fryermouth is an emerging guy at tight end to go with Holland. Danny Dalton didn't get into the game, but Danny Dalton's going to be really important moving forward for them too. And Sean Clifford, uh I've said this I've said this for two years, haven't I? For two years, haven't I said that of all the guys they have, I've felt that Clifford threw the best ball in terms of like actually spinning and throwing the best ball. And Sean Clifford does that. Well, now you've had just tiny glimpses of it, but in those tiny glimpses, you've seen that Sean Clifford throws a really great ball, and that pass play to... Daniel George was the longest play from scrimmage in the one hundred and thirty two year history of Penn State football.
3: And when you said that on Saturday, I was floored. And all of a sudden I just I the laundry list of great quarterbacks that have come through Penn State. And then I got to thinking a great Quarterback wide receiver combos and over the backs. decades. They, they, I yeah. mean, the and,
1: play from scrimmage so that includes running backs.
3: Wow. That just blows my mind. I mean, the first thing I thought of was, you know, Todd Blackledge, Kenny Jackson. And you know, then just, you think, man, there hasn't been any other play greater than 95 plus yards. That's, that's astounding.
1: Well, I think, I think, I don't know, I think after he flipped the ball, the official, I think is when I said it. And uh, and then when I mentioned it to James in the postgame, his reaction was priceless. <laughs> he goes, "No, really?" I said, "Yeah, really." So I know you like this stuff.
3: Well, I know when you said that, I'm thinking that I bet there are thousands that heard that too. And it's like, wait, that can't be. Well, but but Steve said it, so it's got to be right on accurate, and it was. And I'm thinking, wow, it's like, man, we got to check this out. That's true, man. We just saw history. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And not
1: only that, it was easy. Yeah. Now I really I don't know who was in for Kent State at the time. I wasn't at that point in terms of what they were putting out there, I was just trying to concentrate on what Penn State had out there. So, you know, how many of the uh You know, how many of the backups were in for Kansas State, I have no idea. But here's a true freshman's first game. Now I did make the comment to Jack. I said I said he's averaging ninety five yards per reception. I said I said I feel bad for him. He has nowhere to go and that step it down. <laughs> <laughs> right now he has the longest he has he has the highest uh yards per catch of anybody in the history of the game
3: right now. <laughs> <laughs> Can have a little fun with this boy McSorley heats me you know, just from time to time he just throws an occasional incomplete pass Who's that over there He's batting a thousand he hasn't I even know. thrown an incomplete pass well, yet Well see that's what James <laughs> says
1: All the guy does is throw touchdown passes But like, but then you get into the the you know the, you know the silly you know you know what I call the off season I call it the silly season Yeah All right Well now you get some of the silly season stuff First of all Sean's really really good but Tommy Stevens has been there and over and over and over again. Everybody knows around here that, look, will Sean Clifford push him? Yeah, he'll push him. you want him to push him. But, you know, Tommy's done so much in respect to so many people that, you know, just, just be calm. I think they're in a great situation uh, at that spot. Now, next up is the game on Friday night. And we'll do the show, by the way, from Champagne on Friday. So it'll be the first time we've ever done a show, game day, on the road. First time. And I got plenty of time. And we'll, we'll be done by 5 o'clock. I don't know what time we're we leaving the hotel. I think we're not We're leaving. I think we're leaving the hotel. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I go at seven o'clock. Probably leaving the hotel at six, so I
3: mean, I got plenty of time. And uh, that's where that nine p.m. East Coast time kick came in handy. Convenience no, for this show. No,
1: no, for, for this we, show, <laughs> no, it would have been if
3: it had been an eight o'clock Eastern time kick it would have been a little, a little snug.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm, uh, no. <laughs> 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 we, we, we'd be we'd be fine. I just the only first of all, Penn State is a mature football team, so it doesn't really matter what day of the week the game is in terms of the ability to prepare, yeah, they'll practice tonight, that's fine that's just an adjustment okay, to accommodate the uh the kickoff time and day that's fine so in terms of the preparation, zero. It doesn't mean anything. It's an adjustment, and that's all it is, an adjustment. They're still going to have the same number of practices going into the game as they would regardless because Saturday will be the day off. I think having a game like they had on Saturday, it allowed James Franklin to manage the number of reps everybody got in the game, and there were not a lot of reps for the primary players, quote, in that game. All right? And I think that ends up being a huge bonus out of that, which makes it even easier to manage how you take care of this week. The only thing about the Friday night thing that I don't like is the fact that, to me, Friday night's high school football wherever you are. Wherever you are, high school football's a big deal on Friday night. That doesn't mean there aren't Saturday high school games, because obviously there are. Uh, I think Bishop McDevitt, for example, always plays on Saturdays down in Harrisburg. They never play a Friday game unless it's on the road. So, I mean, that's the only part that makes me and and I am as guilty of making Friday night college football work as anybody. Because guess what? When I'm flipping around doing the guy thing on Friday night, ding ding ding. Less blue bloods is on. I like blue bloods. Okay. I am as guilty of anybody of making it work as I'll watch it. <laughs> so it's like okay. Um, but in terms of the big deal of you well, know, it's a Friday night and uh, the work they, they'll they'll get the exact same amount of work going in. It just turns out the the off day is Saturday and not today. That's all it means. Um, I know people try to make a big deal out of anything that is a little bit different, and I think everybody knows I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make it. I don't. Sean's like yeah Sean's like yeah we know Oh yeah <laughs> See I even got you thinking that way now See, even you were thinking that way. Even when things come up at the station, how do you get now compared to where two years ago?
3: I'm much more chill.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. They tell us you gotta do the show this way. It's like Thursday we gotta do the show a certain way. Friday we'll be live. What's the difference? Oh, you're going to do a talk show the day of the game. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing in the room anyway? I'm just sitting there watching TV. Piles will do a show. <laughs> so it didn't bother me at all. You know? See, I've got you thinking that way. And you want to know a big reason why you can think that way? Why is that? Because the company is so fortunate to have somebody willing to put out fires all the time, no matter what.
0: We'll come back. Someone else can take care of the heavy lifting.
3: That extinguisher's pretty heavy. Oh, Jamie, just
1: put the car back on the road, okay? Stop (laughs) laughing. We'll come back with more in a moment. Today, brought to you by Purdy Insurance Market Street and Sunbury News Radio 1070 WK. Okay.
0: Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Today's show brought to you by the great and caring people at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I say great and caring, well, a couple reasons for that. I've been around them enough to know they're just terrific people to be around. Fun intelligent, just really, really good people give back to the community. I also know how caring they are, the giving back to the community part. They really care, and they care about each one of their customers, and that's why they take care of you individually. They don't just sit there and go, hey, we have X number and your number whatever. Like, your individual needs are number one to you. So when you have your individual needs, you bring it to them, it becomes number one to them. Purdy Insurance. I don't care if it's auto, home, life, business. Okay? Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, Matt Leon coming up in a bit. Uh, Matt, by the way, did the uh, Bucknell game on Saturday. So I'm going to ask him a couple questions from his perspective on that game and also on Bucknell. But we'll also talk about Carson Wentz being named the starter today uh, by the Eagles. And the uh, and we're going to get into it with, with him about that. Um, and then Ben Jones. But there's also something interesting about Ben Jones I want to point out. And I'm going to ask him about this. We have the remnants of Florence coming through right now. It's raining some in Sunbury. It's raining. It's actually raining heavily here in State College right now. Now, we're not going to be anywhere near the neighborhood of not even remotely close to what they've had in South South and North Carolina. Parts of North Carolina have had more than 20 inches of rain. Well, we're not going to get that kind of rainfall here. Uh, That's not going to happen. But it's still raining hard here. Well, Ben Jones is affiliated with PAWS here in State College. And he does it on a volunteer basis. And part of what he did, happened to be with the hurricane or then tropical storm Florence, is they set up a dog rescue chain that, um, I think they brought 11 different dogs up here from North Carolina. And Ben was a part of that, doing that. I'm going to ask him about that. You know, there's, you know, we have people on the show, and sometimes you don't know as much about them as you realize. And I don't think a lot of people would have realized that. But Ben's uh, with com. Like uh, here, they're talking here, 1.77 inches of rain. Okay, not even remotely in the neighborhood of, but it's, it's raining hard here though. But yeah, well, I'm going to talk to Ben about that. Being part of the. Uh, Dog rescue chain. Um, I mean, that's really cool. Somebody does something like that. There are a lot of different areas you can volunteer your time. And wherever you volunteer your time, like yesterday, my grandson uh, was playing in his first flag football game yesterday. And I was sitting there with my daughter and it turns out Pat Patrick Chambers his son Ryan's on Colin's team. And so we're all sitting out there and I said I said look at these guys out there they're volunteer coaching they got a volunteer timekeeper I said, I said they got three volunteer referees out there they got people volunteering doing the chains I mean these 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 people men women volunteering their time to do something like that there's so many different areas that you can volunteer your time so many. It doesn't have to be flag football or Little League Baseball. It can be dog rescue like what what Ben Ben Jones is doing. It's just a wide variety of areas. Look at the number of volunteers that work over Geisinger. For example, just going someplace to a hospital to help and do it on a volunteer basis. I mean, so wherever you volunteer your time, whether it's at a food bank or a Ronald McDonald house or you know. Whatever it may be, it's invaluable, your help. And don't ever, ever, in your lifetime, don't ever think, well, I'm just. Or if, say you donate money to something, well, I only gave. There's no such thing as only or just. If you volunteer your time to help out somebody else, there's never just. It is always Always important to make the lives of somebody better. Right? Okay, so never think that. And if you're giving money to something, never think I only or I just gave whatever. Anything you give is more than they had before. So don't ever think that. That's why I'm going to talk to Ben. You know, he'll just be a little bit of the interview. But I don't think a lot of people realize that that he donated his time to help in in rescuing dogs in tough situations like that because we always think of the human toll in natural disasters and sometimes lost in the uh in all this is that obviously there's other parts of it as well. I'm going to talk to Ben about that coming up in the next half hour. Very pleased to be joined by the head football coach at Bucknell Joe Susan. Joe, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it so much.
4: It's a mutual thing between you, me, and Sean. That uh, We'll exclude Kevin from this mix, but uh, I know he's listening someplace.
1: Well, you know what? Yeah, I'm sure he is. Uh, let, let's get to your team. How much pressure is being put on your defense right now because you've had to try and work some things out? I think it's a fair to say had to work some things out offensively because you don't have all the personnel that you thought you were going to have when the season started.
4: You no, know, it's uh it's the offense is a work in progress, and our defensive guys know that and our defensive team knows that and it's a tribute to the approach of our leaders on our team and our coaches, and that uh, you know that could easily become a situation where guys are pointing fingers at one another uh, Some of the things we did on Saturday offensively we me to believe that uh, we're moving along there uh quarterback position became a uh, the situation where we played Logan Bittercough for more our defense has created some turnovers and uh i think that's an important thing uh, sometimes that uh, reflects itself in shorter fields uh we've converted some turnovers into touchdowns um, it's it's something where the young men on our team buy into being selfless and uh it's uh great tribute to our coaches that keep that going um you know you've been in i've been in games where you score first and you think it's over then this game it's 17 nothing there's 10 minutes and 12 seconds left in the first quarter and sometimes you have to reinforce how long a football game is to these guys because there's 55 minutes plus left in the game and they started playing hard Uh, i don't believe me they play hard all the time but they we worked our way back into it We wound up missing a field goal right before the half. But then we scored off a turnover in the third quarter and made it a two-possession game. It was 27-17. When you go down 17 nothing against a team that you're equal to, the equality winds up being a math problem that you can't fix. And uh, the the thing that I don't see... You know, obviously, they don't want to be zero and three right now. Neither do I. But I don't see them panicking, and I don't see them totally frustrated. And that's a good thing.
1: That's a really good thing. I talked with Penn's play-by-play guy uh, about the game, and I, and I said, you know, Matt, what was the level of play after after it was seventeen nothing? He says, he says the game was. He said, really, really even. He said, but you were forced to play uphill. So how tough is it to, for, to play uphill, and how do you coach uphill understanding what the scoreboard <laughs> says?
4: Yeah, that's, that's a hard thing, but uh, the, the thing that I've always been able to do is get ready for the next play, and uh, I think some of that was ingrained in me as a younger guy in high school the way they approached us and in college. And that's the only thing you can affect. Um, the clock doesn't count until it zeroes out and they chase you off the field. Um, we the, the thing that I feel good about is that we'll start getting you know some of these guys back. Uh, this week, Justin Bethea will be back. Uh, there's a good chance Ethan Torres, our field goal kicker, will be back. He's, he's our kickoff guy as well. One of the things that playing uphill with all your guns, it's a little bit different than uh, and it becomes different on third and fourth down. Uh, yes. You you have to go into a third down thinking you have two more downs. You have the third down and the fourth down. It also becomes different in terms of how you manage the clock uh, in a regular game. I don't think I would have taken a timeout with four plus minutes left but I, I started taking timeouts there, knowing that our defense was doing a pretty good job, feeling, feeling that we would get more possessions that way rather than saving the timeouts for maybe a minute and a half left where you're not going to get as many possessions. And, you know, that's part of playing uphill, but that's also part of being around for a while that I've been in these things. And uh, sometimes not a good feeling, but it's what you got and uh, yeah. you're not gonna you know an NFL guy quit at halftime I ain't quitting anytime so uh, <laughs> ever yeah. excuse my New Jersey accent but
1: <laughs> yeah well not one of the three of us fall into that category so I mean it's like you're, you're talking exactly you're, you know, I mean the, I mean the choir is over here preacher uh, so <laughs> you know exactly where we are on that your team though scored before the end of the half you got a field goal out of it you, you know I should be got a touchdown out of that near the end of the half. Right. And then you scored to start the second half. What did that do for the confidence and the feeling of the team to do something like that?
2: You know,
4: it, it really, they, they played different when they know that what we're telling them is right. They play different. And they're still impressionable 17- to 23-year-olds. And, 23 year olds. and uh, you know, the the emotional swings that go on play-to-play, not necessarily series-to-series or quarter-to-quarter are something that we will never forget and uh, we have to understand. Um, We had an issue with one of our players who got real emotional on the field and wound up getting a 15-yard penalty. Uh, Hopefully he learns from that. Um, I know he has. He apologized to the team yesterday. Even that spurred us a little bit because it should have been an offsetting deal, but it wasn't and uh the kids got excited about it uh, they They love the game uh you know we're we're they understand too that as we get our parts back, we're going to be a different team as this season progresses
1: right let's take let's take a, a slice of that for a moment. There are reasons why guys are end up being starters there's reasons why. That's why they're yes. starters. Yes. Long term, once you get guys back, what will be the benefits that you as a staff and a team will get because so many guys receive valuable playing time at this time of the year? That That's
4: where, if let's say, they weren't – obviously, I want to be healthy. But if these right. guys didn't go down, these other guys wouldn't be playing. And as these guys come back, game experience is the most important thing. And your ability not just to have depth, but to have game depth where you can rotate guys in and keep people fresh, it's evident in our defensive line. We we still have a a significant number of guys there that are healthy that we can rotate. It becomes that way as we get people back with our receivers. It'll become that way as we get people back in the secondary And that just gives you the flexibility within a game to, if you wanted to, change between packages defensively, personnel packages, go from a base package to a nickel package to a dime package, if you wanted to. And then from an offensive standpoint, the fresher your receivers are, you can count on them. And then even the tailback position when Marquise comes back and uh, Jared Cooper is going to get his slices. you know, you, there there's a pie chart that you divide up and you count touches and going into the season Jared would uh be waiting on a little piece of crust. And uh now he's earned that by the way he plays, by the way he catches, by the way he protects. So it, it's it's going to benefit all of us. And if you look at it, Marquise is a sophomore Jared's a freshman. Uh Grayson Cherubino, he's a freshman. And Grayson Cherubino has a chance to be a real special player here. He doesn't turn seventeen till the thirtieth. So, oh, it's good to have him. I don't turn thirty eight till tomorrow. So, I'm going to be thirty eight again.
1: It's you know, it's that, amazing. That so are you? I've I've always referred to the two of us as the ageless wonders.
4: Amen. Uh, so... We just all our age goes to Sean. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's all that gray hair. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any gray hair. <laughs> uh,
1: Villanova's had a great run in recent years. And they got off to a great start this year. They beat Temple, which of course just knocked off Maryland. What's your uh, uh, what's your impression of watching Villanova on film?
4: And they beat Maryland, or they excuse me, they beat Temple. I watched that yep. today. Yep. And. Uh... You know, they wound up in a track meet against Towson. Uh, very talented team, very fast, explosive team. They have three running backs that are the same guy. It's just one of them is five, five, they're five nine, five nine, five eleven, two twenty, and uh, you know, their speed on the outside. They have exceptional tight ends, and they use them effectively uh, defensively. They're, they challenge you with personnel and then they challenge you with pressure. Sometimes people challenge you with pressure and then try to match up personnel-wise. So, well-coached. Mark Ferrante has been there since, I believe, since Andy got there. And uh, Sam Venuto, their offensive coordinator, is a guy I played with at Delaware. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Trainer, their defensive coordinator, is a a good friend. But, you know, friendships take a a momentary respite for 60 (laughs) minutes. That's yeah. what some people don't understand. They think everybody's enemies all year round. No. No. Friendship, but once that bell starts, it's a different game.
1: Yeah. Hey, you, you during that time frame, you're taking care of your kids, he's taking care of his kids, Amen. and then when the game's over, you embrace. So
4: Amen. And if his kids need to be taken care of, I take care of them too. Yeah. Uh, exactly. My take care of my kids as a priority.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Coach, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it as always. Good luck down at Villanova this week. I look forward to talking to you again next week.
4: Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Sean. There was no slight intended, Sean, but uh, Steve and I do look young. He yes, has makeup on. I don't <laughs> yeah. Steve actually gets Steve actually gets makeup for radio. I don't I don't particularly understand that. Yeah.
1: It's, just, it's, just, it's a kind of vain guy I am I
4: admit that. you guys have a great day Thank you Happy birthday Thank coach
1: happy birthday Thank coach Thank you <laughs> I got to tell you a quick story about about the 38 uh, that Joe mentioned there. A friend of mine, Ray Caravan, who owns the printers.com, always has this running joke that he's 39 so Michelle Russell and Mickey grew up in Green Bay. She grew up in Green Bay. She at one point, okay, a while back, uh actually was a Packers cheerleader. Well, you know, she met Ed and she married Ed Russell and the whole thing. Okay, fine. All right. And so the running joke is, is that Ray always always tells everybody he's 39 years old. And just Mickey kept trying to find out how old is Ray? How old is Ray? So one night we're having a Christmas party at the Russell's house, Mickey and Ed's house, and Ray's there, and Ray brings his mother. You know, Ray and Judy brought Ray's mother with him, because she was visiting from Florida. So this is the golden opportunity. She goes up to the mom and says, Mrs. Caravan, how old is Ray? And she says, 39. I was, like, it was... <laughs> We were Ray, Judy... Kathy and I were on the floor in hysterics because the mother didn't give away the son. It was one of the beautiful golden moments.
3: Mom's in on it, too.
1: She's like, I can't believe this. I said, so, we've been telling you, race 39. What do you mean you can't believe this? <laughs> I said, she's just confirming what we've been telling you. <laughs> All right. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance.
0: You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.